episode 1 of season 12 of the GNU World Order, and we're going to continue our deep delve into the very lowest reaches of your operating system by looking at the Slackware packages. But before we do, it's probably worth noting that a completely arbitrary anniversary is coming up, and that is, of course, 25 years of Slackware. Yep, this is ever since 1991 or so. Slackware has been plugging away at doing exactly what it does best. Now, I also wanted to mention, since some people have contacted me about this, and I, I'm aware of this, but I wanted to m mention it just so that you know I'm aware of it, uh, the, the better way to do this, what we're doing right here, where, where we're looking at all the different packages that go onto a Linux system, really would be the Linux from scratch project. And that's a really cool project, and I do intend to do it at some point in my life. But I think I kind of have it on a sort of in, in storage for myself, you know? It's kind of like, if the Slackware thing doesn't work out for me, or if it goes away, I shudder to think, uh, then maybe I'll fall back onto Linux from scratch. That's kind of like where my brain is on, on Linux from scratch. It's a big project. You have to do a lot. It's a documentation project. If you go to linuxfromscratch.org, I believe it is, then you can um, build your own distribution, essentially, and it's from scratch. I mean, you are pulling packages from where they live on the internet and compiling them and putting them into places that a system would then render useful upon boot. So if you want to do that, that is out there. It, it would be a great way to look at all the packages on a system, obviously, and why they're important. Uh, I'm choosing to just go through Slackware, what Slackware gives me, because it's easy, I have it here, it doesn't require a huge time investment really, it's just a matter of looking at stuff and maybe doing a little bit of research as to what the package does and what tools are there to maybe make it work, but otherwise it doesn't really take, you know, a whole bunch of compiling and stuff like that, like Linux from scratch would. That's what we're doing, and that's why we're doing it, and those are other options. So what we, we started with the A package set in Slackware, and right now, in the previous episode, we, we got through the AAA underscore base and AAA underscore elf libs. And that doesn't seem like it's a whole lot, and it's really not. But we'll, we'll get through it all, I, I promise. Uh, not everything is going to require as much conversation as, as others. So anyway, the next, the next package in this group, uh, the last of the AAA underscore group, is AAA underscore term info. And term info, as, as the package identifies itself, is this is a starter set of files from the term info database, which should be enough for this basic system. Uh, th there are further definitions in the incurses package, but if you don't know what term info is, then none of that even means anything to you. But you can probably kind of divine the meaning from the name. It's term info. It's information about a terminal's capability. So I don't know if you've ever had a job where you've had to SSH into a bunch of different machines, but I have. And when you do that, y you'll occasionally find some kind of error message, or not an error, or warning about how your terminal can't be identified, especially if you're using sort of a, a weird hodgepodge of terminals like I tend to at, at work. I, I tend to be a little bit more experimental at work, honestly, than I am at home, because at home I like stuff to work, but at work I, I don't know, I, <laughs> I like to break stuff. Um, not on purpose, it's just part of my 
my it's part of the quality assurance that that my employees get my employers get for free when they hire me uh so there's you uh in this package term info there's user share term info slash l and that contains a bunch of different definitions for terminals that identify themselves as a linux terminal for instance there's also a lisa terminal and an lpr and a luna uh, then there's a bunch of ends, and those are NCR terminals, and news terminals, and NS terms. And then U, Uniturn, Unknown, uh, V, uh, VT100, you surely have heard of that. A uh, bunch of more, X for X term, XFCE, and other definitions like that. So in other words, when you SSH into a terminal, or when you log on to one uh, true text terminal at your computer, it kind of needs to know that like the computer or the the thing serving you that interactive prompt needs to know to know what your external what your terminal can 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 do what it's capable of 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 displaying to you really now i used to kind of wonder about this error message this warning that i used to get about oh i i don't know what terminal you're you're using and 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 you can get around that if you just like term equals like term all capital equals and then let's say x term and then you do your ssh command so you're passing on that variable you know through your through your shell and that'll fix it usually or you can set the environment you know you can export that through your bash rc or whatever but point being some something on the receiving end sometimes needs to know what it's gonna what it should send to your terminal in order to display things correctly for you Turns out you I, I never knew where to look for that sort of thing. Now if you do a if you do a file on USR share term info and then sort of let's just take the X series and just just do the X terms, plain old X term. Uh, it tells you that 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 it, it's a compiled term info entry. Well that's not very useful, is it? Well it turns out there's a command called info cmp. And this is, if you do a man on InfoCMP, and I'm sure we'll see this installed somewhere as we continue to go through the packages, but until then, I'll just tell you about it anyway. So InfoCMP analyzes term info entries and tells you what they're capable of. So if you do, for instance, in InfoCMP, I happen to know there is a terminal that's just called Linux, so we'll do that, InfoCMP space Linux, and it says, okay, this is reconstructed via info comp from file and then it points to the file that it just looked at to get all this information from and then it tells you well you've got you've got all of these different terminal uh, flags set and it looks like gibberish to be honest with you but if you look those up then they will they will reveal things to you about what your terminal can do now if i do the same thing info comp uh, let's do x term it gives me a different set of options and it's tells you what it can do the how many color the colors the columns uh, lines pairs lots of interesting stuff to look at and that that's info cmp is actually by i think eric s raymond yeah so if you ever wondered what eric s raymond did aside from write the cathedral and the bazaar and manage the emacs git repository he also wrote apparently info cmp Okay, so that's that's way too much information on AAA underscore term info. If I keep talking about things this much, we will never get through this. So next package is ACL. That is the POSIX access control list library. So this is invoked whenever managing access control lists, which 
which are kind of like users and groups expanded. Next one is ACPID, which is the ACPI daemon. Most modern computers support the Advanced Configuration and Power Interface, that's ACPI or ACPI, standard to allow intelligent power management. This package contains ACPID, which is the user space daemon needed in order to make the Linux ACPI support completely functional. That is straight out of the Slack description, and it states right here in the same description, ACP must be compiled into the kernel in order to use this um, library, or this daemon, rather, sorry. Okay, so next is kind of interesting, the ATTR. That's Tools for Using Extended Attributes on File Systems. I don't know how much you know about extended attributes. It's, it's actually really, really interesting. And so ATTR is a command, and this this is related to access control lists because access control lists the way that they identify things is via i guess we could call them tags but but really they're attributes if you do a man on just the command adder you can read all about the command adder and it, and it does depend on what file system you're using not all file systems will support extended attributes on their files but you can see it in action as long as you're you're running most most native, I would say, most native Linux file systems would be extended attribute capable. Uh, there might be an exception, but but anything I've ever run has had it. So here's a, a random file. It's timing2.plot. It's some kind of statistic that I have Jack output for me um, just to see what real-time capabilities I've got during uh, audio stuff. So it's completely random. I, I delete them after I, I look at them. So I'm just going to take that as an example. So I'm going to type in adder, that's ATTR, and then timing2.plot. And it tells me, well, that's not a valid command. You have to use either dash S, dash G, dash R, or dash L. And so I'm going to do dash L for list. So adder dash L timing2plot returns nothing at all. Okay, well, to set an atter, it is atter space dash s for set, and then some attribute name. So I'm gonna just go, let's do color, C-O-L-O-U-R, and da uh, dash capital V for value, for the attribute value. So we'll call it green. And then the file that we want to affect, of course, which is timing2.plot. And it says attribute color set to five byte value for timing two dot plot green. So now, if we do an atter dash l on timing dot, uh, two dot plot again, sure enough, now it has attribute color has a five byte value for timing two plot. Okay, but what is that value? Well, to get that, you want to use atter dash g for get. I think yeah, get. Uh, and then the 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 attribute that we know has been set is color. So that's what we'll, we'll we'll feed it color, and then we'll tell it to look at timing two dot plot. And now it says attribute color has a five byte value, blah blah blah. And then it tells you on the next line it's green, and that's it. That's that's attributes. Those those are file attributes. So you can attach different attributes to files. And like I say, they're really the way that I think of them is ta is tags. And obviously you're not usually using atter directly. That's something that usually someone has integrated into something that you use. For instance, a file manager or some something uh, a file sharing application. 
Okay, so next on the list is Bash. We all know Bash. I don't even have to talk about Bash. And then the next one after Bash is Bin. Some command line utilities. Bin. The Bin package is a collection of miscellaneous command line utilities. Some of them, such as tempfile, are used in system scripts. So there's bban, disk copy from DOS, make temp, save log, sysv banner, tempfile, to DOS, and xx. So these are these are very short little well I don't know if they're all short but yeah they're they're kind of small as it says utilities so things to convert text things to extract uh, encoded files and things like that so it's yep yeah, little utility files which once more realistically I'll probably never use directly and realistically I don't think I'm expected to it's 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 utilities that's what they are so I mean you can look at those little applications, all this stuff is on the Slackware server. So, I mean, some of them are kind of interesting to, to look at. Like, if you do a cat on user bin XX, for instance, it turns out that it is literally a five, five not counting the comments, it is a five-line script. So that's kind of funny. I mean, it's XX, completely inexplicable, but it's a script to extract binary files from UU-decoded files, ignores all he headers and irrelevant stuff, has shortfalls like all such scripts programs, but works almost 100% of the time. Yeah, and it's by some guy named Tahir Zia Kawaya and Nasir Ahmed Noor, and that's what it does. So kind of, kind of interesting. Anyway, after bin is ButterFS programs. So ButterFS, of course, is the file system kind of the ZSH, ZSH um, competitor, if we could call it that. I, I hate to call it that, but yeah, it's, it's in that class. And I have yet to use ButterFS, honestly. I've just not even played around with it. So, it, But there's the programs. I don't think I actually have that installed. But, but some of these I, I, I turn off when I install. I, I don't bother installing them. Sometimes it's faster to just install everything, but sometimes if I'm... If I've got an evening, I'll, I'll go through and actually trim stuff out. After that is, of course, bzip2. Everyone uses that. Coreutils is next. Coreutils is the famous GNU utility package. It's basically everywhere. These are the core GNU utilities, the basic command line programs such as makedir, list, and rm that are needed for the system to run. This package is the union of the GNU file utils. Uh, sh utils and text utils package uh, packages most of these programs have significant advantages over their unix counterparts such as greater speed additional options and fewer arbitrary limits so yeah this is i mean this as far as i know and i could be completely wrong this is when people say oh we should call it gnu linux this is kind of this is the package like this is the one that sort of everyone's thinking about when they think about the GNU contribution. It's huge. I mean, I realize that there are a lot more things from GNU than just the core utils, but but in terms of impact, this is this is a huge one. It has Arch, base name, uh, base 32, base 64, cat, chacon, chagroup, chamod, chone, chroot, ck sum. I've never actually, I don't think I've ever used that one. Com for comparing directories, I think. I don't really use that one. CP, C split, cut. I use cut all the time. Date, DD, DF, dir, dir colors, dir name, do, or du, disk used. Echo, ENV, expand, EXPR, 
expression, factor, false, just, I mean, it's just so many. And I could probably go on and on and on. I could probably structure an entire podcast for the next 25 years, 10 of which would be just on 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 these commands right here. It's amazing stuff. And I imagine back when Unix was something that people had to use and hated because it was proprietary and stupid, this must have blown minds, you know, with all the different, all the the new options that it had and the fact that you could just redistribute it and use it anywhere. It must have just been enormously, enormously important. And it's kind of faded into the background now. It's just stuff when you sit down at a terminal, you expect these things to be there. And if they're not there, you get really annoyed. I know, I've been there. So this is a, a really important package, and it's really nice. So many in here that I use on a just, just all day, you know? It's just an all-day thing. Really, really cool. It's kind of kind of fun to actually see them all in one place. True. True and false I, I used to never truly understand until I, again, started actually using them in shell scripts. Uh, same thing with with little things like uh, cat and and tack. Well, cat I, I always kind of use, but tack the the reverse of cat and well tail obviously and touch real path read link. I think real path is not actually supported anymore. But anyway, really really big important package core utils. Let's hear it for core utils. Okay, next in the list is CPIO. CPIO, I don't know if anything uses that other than RPM utilities. And, I mean, I'm sure something does, but I, I gotta say, the only time I've ever invoked CPIO manually is when de-unarchiving, uh, de, de sort of untangling an RPM package. And even nowadays, um, RPM, uh, RPM2 TGZ does that for me, and I don't even have to think about it. CPU freak utilities, that's obviously taking care of uh, CPU frequency subsystem stuff that uh, the kernel gets to use when scaling up or down your your CPU. Crypt setup. Crypt setup is the uh, part of a Lux, the Lux package. And Lux is really, really useful. I've done an episode on it before, either here or Hacker Public Radio, maybe maybe a little bit of both, who knows. But um, it's it's a fantastic little disk encryption suite and encrypt setup assists in in that and then dbus now dbus is interesting because it it supplies both the system daemon for events like attaching and unattaching physical hardware but it also does it, it takes signals from from peripherals as well like oh the printer queue has changed but it also just it's a general message bus so it 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 passes information through the system in such a way that the different applications can actually maybe access each other in in the most direct direct route i never really knew why that was a big deal until i started trying to make some of my uh, more complex applications let's call them uh, such as they are cross-platform and then you really start to appreciate little things like dbus and and direct access to your peripherals all that sort of thing it's 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 a pretty big deal actually it 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 makes a huge difference so dbus i've 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 developed a 
a new appreciation for dbus that i never even knew that i had any any need to even think about it much less appreciate it next on the list is dcron which is dylan's cron demon a lot of people don't really realize that cron isn't i think a lot of people think of cron as kind of almost a core util you know it's kind of like one of those things that just comes with your terminal but it's actually not it's it's an application that runs completely independent of anything. You can have a Unix system, Linux system, without cron on it at all. It, it can happen. It could it could be a thing. Now these days I reckon uh, system D probably, for better or for worse, uh, handles some of that cron stuff. I, I think that's what I heard. Uh, personally I still just use uh, cron, but sometimes, yeah, you, you could feasibly have to install that yourself. And there are several different crons out there so the the idea of cron is is generic but but many people can write a cron and matthew dillon is one of those people he wrote from scratch something that he called dcron which is dillon's cron demon and it runs in the background and executes tasks on behalf of a given user at an appropriate time that's just how it's done. It's super simple. And and you can use other versions of cron. Anacron, Dcron. I think there was another one that was on the tip of my tongue, but I lost it. But yeah, it's it's um it's something that you can actually have a choice on in. Dcron I would say is fairly traditional. Uh, I think Anacron is the one that comes with Fedora and CentOS and such, and that's a little bit fancier where you've got different lots of different choices on how to execute the the jobs and how, how to schedule them it, it's actually kind of nice I, I have no complaints about any cron that i've used so far next on our a package list is devs which is system device files this package creates special files in the slash dev directory that represent your system's hardware and a tool slash dev slash make dev for creating new device files these files are required to access hardware on a Linux system. This this is really, again, one of those things that I think a lot of us take for granted. We do an ls on slash dev. We all kind of know what slash dev slash null is, and we kind of we get that there's a slash dev slash sd something to represent our hard drive, and maybe that's all we really think about. On Slackware, I kind of... I had to start dealing with dev a lot maybe sooner than than newcomers who are not using Slackware. Now that said, I, I'm sure that I've missed out on years and years of dev fun by my not getting into the Linux game until like Slackware 12 or whenever I started. I, I have it written down somewhere. But it's it's still an interesting concept and it's a little bit frustrating because it is there's you know there's the device and then there's the interface to that device and that can be very confusing and early on I kept thinking well there's this device here why can't I just write files to it and and that's just not how it works you know well there's a file system on that thing so you can't just send whatever you want to that thing but if it's a printer maybe you can maybe you can send that straight to your printing device I mean it depends the the time honestly that I really got familiar with with dev though was when I was trying to set up a game controller for video gaming and it just it was just i had to look into the input devices 
and figure out where the thing had gotten attached and it wasn't being seen on the default joystick JS0 device. It was being seen as an input or an event 17 or something like, you know, it was, it was really crazy. And I learned a lot about the slash dev system just from that. But anyway, that's, that's what the devs uh, package contains. And now here's where we're going to end it. We're going to end the show on a Slackware exclusive. It's called Dialogue. I don't know if it's a Slackware exclusive, but I do know that it was, that it was contributed to Slackware. This is a Slackware development. So Dialogue displays dialogue boxes from shell scripts. Dialogue is a program to present a variety of questions or display messages using dialogue boxes from a shell script. The Slackware package management script package tool uses this, as do various other menu-driven console scripts. Dialogue was originally contributed to Slackware by Savio Lam and has been contributed to by many. Dialogue is currently maintained by Thomas E. Dickey. So there you go. It's uh, it's something that you get with Slackware, something that, as far as I can tell, was developed for Slackware. I mean, maybe, I don't know, I don't know the author, maybe his motivations were different, but the way I'm reading that anyway, it seems like that that's a Slackware exclusive. But it's a pretty neat little command, and if you if you do, if, if you have it installed, and again, I don't really, I haven't actually checked on any other system to see if it's something that just, it's a given now, if it's like something that's on every system, or if it's just a little Slackware version of, of maybe PD menu or something, which I now know about because of HPR. But, um... Yeah, it's it's kind of it's kind of cool if you do a if you just type in dialogue, it gives you a whole bunch of different options that you can that you can use, and it is it it seems like a pretty nifty little in curses style dialogue widget is what it is. I mean, if you've ever used WX or Qt, you'll recognize a lot of these, or even TK. I mean, it doesn't or what is it tickle? Tickle or TK? No, Tkinter. Um, even you know you recognize a lot of these a lot of these options, you know, the yes, no, the automatic yes or no buttons for you so you don't have to give a bunch of options. It, it's quite nice. It's kind of like K-Dialog, I guess, except in the terminal. So, yeah, it, check that out. If, if you if you do a lot of shell scripts and are, are always looking for it to be more interactive, which, by the way, you don't really want it to be interactive. You, you want it to be... You want to be able to bypass all that interactivity. But anyway, let's say you do want it to be interactive. Dialog is, is kind of a nifty fancy way that you can just make that happen and you get it for free so that's that's up to i don't know dialogue in the double in the a package set i gotta say looking through the list i'm gonna have to speed it up because uh this will literally take 25 years if i if i go at this pace but i i feel like if i go too fast i'm shortchanging a bunch of applications that are really really interesting but maybe what i'll do next time is kind of look and and group a bunch together so that we don't have to talk about each and every one literally like you know like line by line we can just kind of say okay and then there's a bunch of boot bootloader stuff and then there's some some common utilities like grep said knock you know that sort of thing yeah we'll, we'll get through this eventually so um i don't know hopefully this has been somewhat interesting i know that it's um it is a lot of packages and uh we'll We'll, we'll figure out how to deal with with the number, the sheer number of packages. And hopefully you're learning something. I'm learning a heck of a lot. I'm really enjoying being exposed to a bunch of new commands that I just maybe haven't really thought about or haven't really thought about where they come from. 
I'm going to go have a cup of coffee, so uh, we'll bring this episode to an end. Thank you for listening, and I'll talk to you next week. listening to the GNU World Order Og Cast. This has been Klaatu. You can reach me on IRC. I'm on the Freenode network usually in channels such as Ogcast Planet, Slacker Media, Slackware, a couple of others. My nick on IRC is not Klaatu. You can also reach me lately on Mastodon. My username there is at Klaatu at Mastodon.xyz. Of course, you can email me at klatu at member.fsf.org. That's klatu at member.fsf, as in free software foundation.org. And of course, you can visit my various websites, gnuworldorder.info and slackermedia.info. I will see you next time.